right. Good morning. How's everybody? Doing good? So we're in a series called Reality. When you think of reality, what comes to your mind? Like scientific method, the five senses, this is what's real if I can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, etc. That's what's real. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says what's real is what we can't see. Because you see, the reality is that we are not going to physically last forever, but eternally we will. The Bible says we don't look to the things that are seen, for they're temporal. That means they're temporary. But we look to the things that are unseen, for they are eternal. So what I want to do today is challenge you to look into the eternal stuff that God has in store for you. You know, just came back from... uh, youth camp, and so excited about all of these students, but I want to tell you what's happening next year. Next year, we are going to Peru. I have committed 100 people from this church to go to Peru. I don't know who's going. It might be you, and if we take more, I'd really like to take everybody and just close church down for a week. That's That's my goal, all right? But I want you to know it's the greatest mission movement in history. That's happening. It's one nation, one day. There's going to be 10,000 mission volunteers in one week in Peru. Every stadium in the entire country has been given free of charge to the teams. They're declaring a national holiday in Peru for this event. I mean, think. Are, are you with me on this? All right. And what? And I know it's going to conflict with uh, camp, Drew. But my thought is. That we just take all the students to Peru. What do you think? Uh, anybody student want to go to Peru or not? Okay, so here's the deal. They can't afford to go to Peru, so you're going to pay for it. Is that good? Huh? Yeah, some of you aren't really excited now. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that in a few minutes. Hey, we're talking about reality. So I started studying this guy, Nikolai um, Tesla. And if you've ever heard of the Tesla car, it came from this guy who was born in an area around Belgrade, which is Croatia today, used to be Yugoslavia. And he's one of these guys that had a little bit of, he was a little different. Uh, Some people think he had OCD, a little obsessive compulsive disorder. Anybody know anybody like that beside me? I mean, if you think about it, he had that. In fact, when he would come home, he would circle the block three times before we'd go into his house. He would never stay in a hotel room unless the number of the hotel room was divisible by three. Now, that might seem odd to you, but what he said was something really interesting about numbers and the part they play in the whole mechanics of the universe. And so much of what he did, by the way, he had over 300 patents. He had over 100 inventions that burned up in a laboratory that he never replaced. Uh, He's really the one that's responsible for us having AC current. He actually was the guy that came up with a wireless controlled boat, Part of x-ray development was him. I mean, on and on and on. He was really never recognized for all that he did. He died penniless, by the way. And so when Elon Musk founded, uh, after SpaceX and then founded Tesla Cars, he wanted to honor one of the great uh, inventors and entrepreneurs uh, of, of the century, really, of his century. And so he named the cars Tesla after him. But I want to take you to a quote that Tesla said. 
and I'll, it'll kind of bring these numbers back into bear. So you don't just think that he just had OCD and he wasn't really thinking about what he said. Here's what he said. If you knew the magnificence of three, six, and nine, all divisible by three, by the way, then you would have the key to the universe. Now, that's a really interesting thought, but it's really interesting if you happen to believe that also science is really valuable and valid and not at odds with, with Christianity, but also if you understand the Bible, because the Bible has a lot to say about three. For example, when we talk about God, we say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God is three persons but one being. When God created you, he created you with a body, with a soul, and with a spirit. He created you as a, thri a tripart being. When God created time, he created it in past and present and future. When God created the heavens and the earth, he looked up and he said, I'm going to create the sun, the moon, and the stars, but not just for light. He said they're going to be for times and for seasons, for signs, for signs. So you're going to be able to look in the sun, the moon, the stars, and I'm going to give you some forewarning about what's happening in your world. When God wanted to take a big paintbrush and paint the world, he used three primary colors. Every color you have can be brought from those three primary colors. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that Jesus raised three people from the dead in Scripture and that he rose from the dead on the third day? We could go on and on and on. So three is not an unusual number, nor what Tesla found was it unusual in the structure of the universe. Here's another uh, quote from Tesla. He said, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena. Okay, now let's stop and think about that. Non-physical phenomena. Science is about studying physical phenomena. But he said, when you start studying non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. So what is that non-physical phenomena? Well, for us who are believers, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God. It's what God is doing behind the scenes that you can't test with the five senses, that you can't apply to the scientific method. And he had a lot to say about this. And, you know, you can take this non-physical phenomenon and go in a million directions, and people who have thought they understood what Tesla said have done that. So I'm not endorsing you know, everybody on the internet who's got an idea about what Tesla was about. I simply want to illustrate that God unleashes and unlocks information to us over time that we might come to understand who God is. So think about this. He gave us different models and systems to work with, and I, I want to give you just a quick definition of what is a model. It's a system of a thing used. So we all have systems. We all have ways we go through processes, but it's also an example to follow or to mimic. So here's the question I want to ask. I want to ask you in three different areas this question. Who modeled for you personal finance? I want you to think for a moment. Who modeled for you personal finance? Who taught you as you were growing up about what does it mean to operate within a budget to use money, et cetera, et cetera. And some of you may say, well, nobody ever did. I was on my own. My parents didn't. But, but remember, even if they didn't sit down and teach you something, they taught you by the way they lived their life. So, for example, if there was, if there was an inability to understand how personal finance worked and you observed that even without being directly taught, that's what you picked up. If your parents gave you too much, you picked up that view of personal finance, 
which means that you probably will have an even worse effect on your children when you have them, if you have them. Because you see, everything is coming through that lens of who mentored you in the area of personal finance. Did you ever have a parent, an older brother, a friend, a neighbor, anybody sit down and talk to you about how to do a budget? And you say, well, no, I didn't. I had to figure it out. But watch this. Whatever system you got intentionally or accidentally is a system you're operating with right now. And the reason, the reason that things see, stays pretty much the same is because of a system. So imagine your life is like a ceiling here, and you hit a ceiling of, let's say, certain success or understanding, but all of a sudden you just say, well, it just I keep going up and down. I seem to never get beyond where I currently am. The problem is not your income. The problem is the system you're operating with. If you can change the system, you can change the outcome. All right, let's go a little bit further. Who mentored you in the area of dreams, success, and risk? Who sat down and said, "Let me, you need to be a dreamer? Or did you have someone in your life who was a constant dream killer? Every time you had an idea, they go, that won't work. No, that, I've tried that. Other people have tried that. You know, I'm reading a, a biography right now on uh, Tesla, and it's interesting because he brings in great th- minds of, of, of centuries, really, and, and what made them all kind of successful. And it wasn't their opportunity, which we often think it is. It wasn't their education. Most of them actually didn't even have an education. And he went on and on and on, and he came down to one thing that he's been able to identify with all of them had in mind, uh, in common. You know what it was? Imagination. They all saw things that weren't there. They saw things that other people didn't see. They said, why not? They refused to listen to the advice that said, I, that can't be done. They just said, we'll figure out how to do that. You know that imagination is given by God to us for a purpose. That God wants us to be able to take imagination, apply faith to it, and move into realms that we've never seen before. Imagine someone looking over, uh, over an entire generation of people going, why can't we stop that disease? I believe the cure for AIDS will be found in the one with the most imagination, not with the best education. You know why? Because they'll go, I'm tired of saying, hearing all the ways we were going to do it. Let's think of something totally different way to apply to this, and let's change the course of human history by imagination. And on and on, take a problem, any social problem you have, imagination goes way beyond education. Now, I'm not diminishing education. I'm just saying that we have to get outside of that box that we typically operate in. How about risk? Risk is really... The, 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 the same kind of idea for faith. Faith is taking a big risk. Fa- risk is saying, I'm going to go for it. Faith is saying, I'm going to go for it with God. I'm going to let God lead me into a new world, into a new idea, a new plan, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to find a success maybe that, you know, generations haven't had. I mean, some of you grew up in households where they said, you know, we're, this is just our life. This is our lot in life. This is what we do. This is how we make it. And I want you to just say, I'm not going to play party to that downward spiral because here's what ends up happening there. You start here, and this just thing just kind of goes down like this, and you just go, now I've always got a reason why I can't succeed at something. Always. God wants us to stop that. Okay, how about the third area, generosity? Who mentored you in the area of generosity? 
when I was growing up, my dad always, whenever we'd go to church, and we didn't go every week, but my dad would always write out a check. He'd put it on the counter. I don't remember if it was a big check or a small check. All I know is he did that, and it stuck in my mind. But the thing that really kind of hit me was when my grandmother died, my grandfather had already died on his side, and uh, he was on the phone. I was probably third or fourth grade, and I remember the conversation he was having with one of his sisters. He had uh, a brother and two sisters, so he was one of four siblings. And I remember hearing him say this, no, we don't, I don't want any of the house, any of the farm, any of the money, or any of the furniture. And I'm looking at my dad thinking, my dad is not very smart right now. Get your, you get your 25% out of the deal right now, right, of your inheritance. And I heard, then I heard my dad say, all I want is the family Bible. And my dad hung up the phone, and I looked at my dad, and I go, Dad, in my best third grade memory that I can bring back today, I said something like, that wasn't smart. You got a Bible. They got a farm, a house. They got money. They got furniture. They got all that stuff. And he looked at me, and here's how he modeled generosity for me. He said, I don't want to get in an argument with my family over money. Money's easy. Family's hard. All that money is gone, but the Bible remains, and I have it. And I have a Bible that dates back over 200 years because my dad made one decision. I'll be generous with my sisters, with my brother. Now, that wasn't the full extent of generosity who mentored generosity to me. So I'm a pre-law student. I pick up a Bible. I start reading it. And as I read it, I know I'm in trouble because everything it said not to do, I'd already done like four times. How many of you can relate to that one, right? All right, look around. There are sinners in the room. Encouraging, right? Um, so anyway, I start reading it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, i got to go to church. So I went into church, and there was a kind of a college class there, and there was this lady named Lucy Esch, and she was teaching. And one day she taught on, on giving, and, uh, and I went up to ask her questions about this because it seemed so foreign what she was talking about. And she was talking about something that was kind, kind of like a 10% tithe thing, and I thought, that's an odd, odd thing to talk about. And so I went up to her, and I said, Lucy, can you explain that to me? And she said, do you have a dime in your pocket? And, you know, I was a typical college kid. I had 41 cents in my pocket. That was my entire bankroll for the entire week. And I reached in, and I held out my hand, and she took the dime out, and then she handed me a $1 bill. She said, this dime belongs to God, and that 90 cents you have left now from that dollar is now, that's yours. And she said, all through life, you give God that first dime. You know, a dime doesn't sound like very much until you get a lot of them, right? And then all of a sudden you start going into a different world because you were probably mentored by someone, and I know I'm on pretty solid ground with this, by mentored by someone who didn't teach you about generosity to God or ownership of God. And so I began to think about this whole idea of, of who's modeling generosity. And I want to come back to that in a minute, but I want you to get this thought. And this is one of those ones where you might want to take a screenshot. That's the easiest way to take notes, by the way. Take a screenshot of this thought because we develop systems according to our comfort level and not our potential. 
Let me say it again. We develop systems according to our comfort level and not our potential. In other words, my whole system of how I operate is based on what I'm comfortable with, not on who I am or who God says I am. What if you began to operate within the potential that God has put within you? What would that look like? And what you have to do, here's how, here's how you can start operating in that realm. Number one is you can identify patterns in your life that don't work. What's not working in your life? What's not really measuring up in your life? What do you look at and go, man, I, I just can't get out of this, this whole cycle? Well, that is a pattern in your life that doesn't work. Second thing you can do is gather people around you who, uh, who see your potential. You know, most of us, we gather a people around us who tell us what we want to hear. We end up with the same friends telling us the same thing our whole life, and then we end up doing the same thing we've always done, and we constantly hit this ceiling here, never able to break through. But what God wants us to do is God wants us to have a breakthrough experience in our life to where no longer are we in the pattern of of our own self or the pattern of previous generations, but we're setting a new tone for the future of success of what God wants to do in our life and that, that then we can use that to bless others and to enjoy life here on planet Earth. So do you have friends in your life that are seeing your potential? If your friends tell you every idea you have is a great idea, they're not seeing your potential because sooner or later they got to go, you know, I don't think that one's going to work. But then they're going to look at you and go, here's what I see in you. What if you did that? And they're going to stretch you beyond where you normally would go. Because here's the thing. Systems are mindsets. They're the way we think. Think of those two words, mind and set. My mind is set. Don't give me information. Don't tell me something new. Don't tell me something that will work because my mind is set. What if you changed your mindset? See, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your, say it with me, mind. Let's say it again. The renewing of your mind. My mind needs renewing. Why? Because it gets tired and old and stuck in old systems. Because all my friends are telling me the same thing over and over again. All I'm doing is I'm hearing it going. I'll hear it again. And then, you know what? Then I sit around with my friends, and they're all going, yeah, I wish we could have done that. Whoa, whoa. Why is oh so-and-so? Well, he got a, I didn't get the break he got, and, you know, I could have won the race, but I had new shoes. The other guy says, I, I, I could have won the race, but I had old shoes. And, and, you know, and everybody's got an excuse. What if we broke beyond that? You see, so we, we identify these systems in our life that, that are mindsets. And here's the other thing. Small things, watch this, small things can change your future. Do you believe that? Small things can change your entire future. I love reading success stories about people who had nothing, absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden, you start reading, and they go, they didn't see themselves as, as, as being as successful as they were. They just said, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to use my imagination. I'm going to move forward as fast as I possibly can with this. And guess what? Success comes at unexpected moments to those who persevere with imagination, hard work, and diligence. There is no secret. I just need a lucky break. No, you need to go to work. You're not going to believe this. You're not, I wish I, I could just would have taken a record of it over, over the history of my life. How many people told me that their whole, their whole plan for success was winning the lottery? Really? That's your plan? 
I mean, I hope you do. When I get rich, I'm going to be generous. No, you won't. You'll be selfish and stingy just like you are now. Come on, put your hands together. You know it's right. You're, you're either generous or you're not generous. You're either moving in the direction of the, of the heart of God or you're moving away from the direction of the heart of God. You're not guy like, oh, yeah, my heart is so big, I can't, I'm playing the lottery every day. That's why I don't give any money to Jesus. I've never played the lottery. I've wanted to every time I've gone into the gas station. I just don't know how, and I don't want to look like an amateur, right? I don't know. You go in there, scratch and sniff. I don't know what it is. You know, it's, uh, I don't know what that thing is. You know, they, they go up there, and they go, uh, yeah, yeah, give me uh, my numbers of 14, 21, 20. And I go, what, what are they talking about? It's like a combination to some safe. I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid I'm going to go up there and go, yeah, four, eight. And the guy starts laughing at me. He goes, you've never played, have you? Anyway, we'll go on with that. Okay, now remember, this number 10 is really interesting. Let's just take this part out, and let's talk about the number 10 in the Bible because that's kind of significant because in the Bible, the idea of 10 has the idea of three things. It has number one, has to do with your testimony. Say testimony. Secondly, responsibility. And third, order. So let's talk about testimony. So there were 12 commandments, right? that God gave to Moses? How many? Ten. Why didn't God give 11? Why did he give nine? Why, why 10? Because 10 is a number that God has locked into his plan about our testimony and our responsibility and our order. When Oftentimes, I remember when our kids were, were born and I was in the room, and Lord, that is not a good experience. I... I, I I started getting queasy. The guy said, you want to sit down? I do. I've never seen like this in my life. I don't even know. You know, and, you know, then, all the, then afterwards, like six months later, guys are going, it was so beautiful. No, they're only saying that when their wives are around. When you're with guys, they're going, oh, my gosh, I about puked my guts out. I didn't. What happened in that, in that room, right? But one of the first things a lot of women say is, do they have ten fingers and ten toes? Why? Because that's order, Right? There's something there that makes sense. You don't, you don't hear a wife say, you know, oh, dang it, only 10. All the kids have 10. Why can't mine have 12? I want 12 fingers. I want my kid to be advanced. You know, everybody's kid's the smartest. Have you ever noticed that? My kid's smarter than your kid. I remember when our babies were little, you know, they were so cute. Then I look back on the pictures and go, look at that kid. Where'd that guy come from? He didn't look cute at all. I thought he was cute. You know, have you ever, you ever had that happen, you know, right? All babies look like Winston Churchill. Let's just be honest today. Amen? They just look like, now they all get better looking with time, and that's good. And you say, not my baby. My baby is so cute. You ought to see my baby. There will be women. They'll bring babies up to me after this service, I guarantee you. Okay, so the idea is that, okay, so if we go into this idea of 10, think about, about how God works in this area to teach us something about the number 10. So there's 10 commandments, and then God has this tithe thing, and then God, then, then God is constantly talking about the system of 10. We have systems of math based on a decimal point, we're based on a 10, and so God wants us to understand something about he the way he works in our world. So let me take you to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Here's what it says, honor. Say honor. Honor, that means to esteem above all others, who? The Lord. I want to honor the Lord with what? With my possessions and with the first fruits, that is the best of the increase, 
That is my produce, my revenue. Now, I want you to just keep that scripture up for a moment. I want you to look at that idea, first fruits. So here's what God says. I want you to give me the best of what you have first. I want you to give me the first tenth of everything you have first. Let's just hold that thought. Let's go back into the farming world. So the farmer goes out, and he takes and he picks the best crops, and he takes the best seed from that crop, and he saves it to plant the next year. Because he wants to plant the very best, that way he'll have the best harvest the following year. He doesn't go in and say, I'm going to pick the worst seeds, plant those, because he knows that's going to bring forth a bad harvest the next year. So God says, when you give your first tenth to me, what you're doing is you're taking the best seed, you're planting in the ground, so it'll bring forth the very best harvest in your life. So watch this. If you're, if you're working, if you're in school, whatever you're doing, you should give your best of everything to God. Because God will bring about a reproduction process that's going to bring about the best in your life. So we sow the best that we might reap the very best from God. So he says here, sow the best, the first fruits, and what will happen? Why do I do that, God? It says here, look, next verse, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Why do I do that? God says, I'm going to give you a very practical reason everybody can understand. Your barns are going to be filled with plenty, that is abundance. Your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, God promises abundance to faithfulness. In every area of your life, the more faithful you are, the more abundance you will experience. Let's just put it in a really practical level. Students, the more you apply yourself to school, the better grades you're gonna get. I, it took me one year of college to figure this one out. I about flunked out of first year of college. My dad looked at me and said, I don't think you're going back. I think you're going to the military. And I said, I think I can do better. It was the second year I discovered that study actually had some relationship to grades. Had no idea. I just figured there were people who were super smart, people who weren't, and I was one of the ones that didn't carry the way. I just wanted to have a good time. I thought college was a paid vacation. I found out otherwise, right? Because what happens when I, when I invest in something I get a reward. I reap back. So what i got to do is I have to change my perspective. So watch this. When we think about the earthly kingdom, the natural kingdom, it always begins with what I don't have. If you're thinking earthly, if you're thinking natural, all you're thinking about what I don't have. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. I don't have that. How, how many notice the new big screen in the back? Anybody notice it? Huh? Somebody goes, oh, there's a screen back there? Yes, so anyway, let me tell you what happened because it illustrates this point. So last October, we had a prophetic conference, and we did a live recording, and we rented a screen to go in the middle. And when I saw it, I said, I can't give it back. Have you ever done that? You're like, no, it's not going back. How do I keep this thing? And so I called him up, and I said, we really got to have that LED screen. I mean, it's just like the coolest thing in the world, and how do we get it? And he told me the price, and it was ridiculous, and I, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And, and so I spent the, the next you know, couple of weeks and months grinding, and then I handed it over to, to, to one of our board members. You grind this guy for a while, and after a, a while of grinding, we finally got the price down to where he was really, really doing all he could do. And then I said, okay, and now we want to pay it over time with no interest. Right? Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that the best way to buy something? How many of you would agree that's the best way? 
Okay, that's the best way. So anyway, so we get the screens. We put them all in there. And then a few months ago, he calls me up, and he says, hey, all of these are like, when they manufacture them, they're all kind of color-coded and connected, so you can't just intermix them down the road. And he said, I don't care if you want them or not, but this batch, this color batch, I'm going to rent out unless you want to buy them. So we had this smaller screen in the middle, and it's, it was a, a really pretty uh, high-quality one. And I said, how about we trade that one in, and you give us a bunch more of these, and then we get some new ones to go over here because we're still using these projectors we bought for $100, which are, thank God, they're working really, really well. And how about if we make all this trade, and, and he told me the price. I said, no, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. And so now here goes the grinding again, and we're grinding for two months, and then we get done. And I said, okay, but now this has got to be payment over time and no interest. And he said, okay. Why do I tell that story? Because I saw something that I knew would enhance what we're doing here. I saw the value, and I imagined. I didn't imagine an obstacle. I imagined success. I said, we'll find a way to do that. Just like we bought this building, we will find a way to buy this building. We will find a way to do it. And I never let anything get in the way to say we can't do something because of that. So when I think in the natural realm, I say what can't happen. But when I think in the supernatural thing, I already say, I already have it. It's already mine. If God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it's time for him to shuffle a few down here. Amen? If he owes all gold and silver is his, why not give you some? Come on. No, I just like being poor and miserable. You can be that your whole life. Let me tell you what poor is. Poor is not having enough to take care of your needs. Let me tell you what rich is. Rich is having enough to take care of your needs. Rich is not being super rich and having millions in the bank. You can have that and be poor. Do you follow me what I'm saying? So there's a mindset here, and what we want to do is we want to move into increasing our faith. How do we do that? I act on the promises of God. When God says something, I just do it. When God says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, what do I say? I would like to be saved. That's acting on the promises of God. And the next thing is expecting God to provide. I expect when I act on the promises of God, God's going to do what God said he was going to do. Now, we're called to influence a generation. Now, I'm going to put this word up here so nobody forgets about it. Okay? We're called to influence a generation. Isaiah chapter 60. Let's look at this together. A little one shall become a thousand. A little one shall become a thousand. When I watched that video and I saw the faces of those students, you know what I, you know what I saw? I saw a boy, a girl, a young person influencing a thousand people. When you saw, when you heard that video, one of those videos, and you watched that girl or that boy, did you think poor them or did you think I'm inspired? You were inspired. And you said, you know what? We are making a difference in the world. And guess what? It just starts there because guess what? It says they shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation, and I, the Lord, will hasten it. We're called to influence a generation for the kingdom of God. Let me show you how we shape that generation. I'm going to put some pictures up here. Some of these are stills from that video, and some of them you may not have seen. But I want you just, and I don't rush through these. Don't get in a hurry. Nobody else so far has been in a hurry in this service. 
Everybody else is taking their sweet time. I am going to, too. You got in a hurry. What are you doing back there? All right. Slow down. Because if you don't slow down, you don't look into the faces. Because you see, you might say, look how we've influenced our generation for the future. But I want you to look into their faces and see, how are they influencing you right now? What's in their eyes? You see, when we get in a hurry to move through those, those, those engaging moments in life, we miss out on the great truth. Let's go to the next picture. Ask yourself, when was the last time I did that? When was the last time I put my head on the altar and I sought God? Okay, let's go to the next one. When I see pictures like that, I just wonder, what's going on in the brain? What's going on here? What's happening in the heart? What's, what's, what are they seeing? What are they not seeing? What are they hoping for? What are they praying for? Next picture. When was the last time you looked to heaven and you, and you wept? Next picture. Next picture. about that let me let me pray for you let me pray for you next picture the presence of god is at home in the heart of a child the presence of god is at home in the heart of a child Bill Johnson said this, each generation is provided, is privileged to build upon the previous one. See, whatever, whatever we're pouring into this generation, we want them to, to build upon what we did, and then we want them to build in the next generation. The reason that we want children and students to have a God encounter is not just for their own sake, it's for the generations to come that every generation that comes after them will be more powerfully attuned to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. There's no substitute. You say, I'm a good parent. I'm sure you are, but that's not enough. By the time your kids hit 11 or 12, the greatest peer pressure in their life is not you. It's the other students that are around. What are you doing to pour into them so that they pour into other kids and they make a difference? He went on to say, until the manifestation of God's nature and presence becomes more and more pronounced. That's what we want to do. We want to see the manifestation of God in, in every heart, young and old alike. The manifestation becomes so pronounced that what we do is we see the presence of God become more and more real in every person's life. So everywhere we go, everything we do is about the presence of God. You see, the presence of God is, in, is, is, is at home in the heart of a child and that what happens is when we're childlike in our faith, we grow. Adult faith is boring. It's not even, it's not even, it's not even given credit in Scripture. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to have the heart of a child, Jesus said. You know what the heart of a child is? The heart of a child says, I can do that. We went and watched Mission Impossible, the new movie. So good. 
Let me tell you what's so good about it. When I watch Mission Impossible, I am Tom Cruise. I'm hanging on the mountain with one hand, talking on the phone on the other one, saving the world. That's me. I'm that guy. I understand when kids put on a Spider-Man outfit and they're Spider-Man. I am Tom Cruise. I am Born Identity. I am all those guys. Because when I enter into there, now my wife may not think I'm Tom Cruise 007 or Born Identity, but I do. And for the space of those two hours, I am that guy. I got a six-pack. I got muscles. I am smart, fast. I can all those things because you know why? I have the heart of a child when it comes to a movie. I want to have the heart of a child when it comes to the Word of God. I just look at it and go, I believe it. I'm just going to do that. That is so good. That is so good. Um, I want to have a prophetic blessing over all of you. And, and I believe at the heart of what we're trying to say here is that when you have a heart of generosity, imagination, Opportunities come in unexpected moments that you don't really see coming at all. But at the heart of that is a poverty spirit. You can have a lot of money and have a poverty spirit. And what that means is that everywhere I look is I always look at what what can happen instead of what can happen. I look at what I don't have instead of what I do have. I look at what God hasn't done instead of what God can do. That's a poverty spirit. So here's what we're going to do. I want y'all, would you all just stand with me? And I'm going to have a prophetic blessing over all who would like to. I'm just going to have you come to the front here. This is a, this is a powerful time of just impartation. So students, just feel free to just come on up here. Adults, just feel free to cram in here. Just come quickly so we don't, we don't take up too much time here. But, but this is, uh, I'm going to read this, and as I read it, I want you just to speak it out loud. Just kind of squeeze in tight because it's going to get cramped, I promise you, up here. All right, now listen to this, okay? We're going to say this together. Everybody ready? I declare that God has provided the resources from my financial freedom. His favor has not departed, nor has his miracles. I choose, I choose to lay claim to my inheritance in Christ. I reject the poverty spirit and declare that every need has been secured by the blood of Christ. Today is a new day, a day of freedom. God is opening the windows of heaven on my behalf. If you receive that, say, I receive it, and say, I reject, I reject a poverty spirit. I will succeed, I will thrive, and I will see God's best in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing this together, amen? Sing it together.
Amen. God, we just thank you for every great decision that was made today, every, every stand just to break free from the past, break free from generations maybe that have just brought poverty and heartache and discouragement and defeat, and to see the kingdom of God as forward and moving forward that in the power of Almighty God. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. Students, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Peru, next year. Amen? All right, guys, God bless.